news out of the obstacle racing scene want to stay up to date on the freshest info the latest podiums and hear interviews with the who's who and ocr well you've come to the wrong place well some of that you'll find here but we're not the media this is not orm ocm ocrm orcm this is ocr talk Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. And you are listening to... Dang it, I mess this up every time. See, I don't know, episode something? It season 4, episode 5. Yeah, That's season 4, episode says. 5. Well, are we going to stop? Yeah, I'm trying to stop counting by season even <laughs> or by episode and just count season Seasons. and episode. Just keep it simpler. Which, what what constitutes a season? Uh, a year. Like an OC, Okay. Yeah. I was going to say an OCR season because that's basically like yeah. what February to December. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's catch up. How are how are you doing? I want to hear all about your training that you've been up to. Yeah, I had a big weekend last weekend. So um, I had uh, one of my bigger weeks and I've got a 12 hour uh, 12 hour ultra coming up. Not this weekend, but next weekend. So I'm not really like. I'm not really training to go for any sort of mileage, but just training just to like go the entire 12 hours. But anyway, I had my first like back to back big long run weekend last weekend. So um, I was supposed to do 20 miles on Saturday, but I opted for two loops on this eight mile loop on the trail behind my uh, behind my house. And um, it ended up being... um, just under 17 miles, but I had around 3,200 ish feet of gain. (laughs) So yeah, there was a lot of climbing. (laughs) So I figured that was pretty good if, even if I didn't like hit my mileage for that day. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause that that was, what was your mileage goal? Uh, 20 miles for that, for that Saturday. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I just opted for like less mileage, but more vert. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun. Uh, and like, I feel like the longer runs during the week are getting harder to fit in. Like, <laughs> they're like, getting too long. Yeah. Like yesterday I was supposed to do a 10 mile run and I ended up, um, well, you know, I ended up getting home from work too late to do anything in the afternoon. <laughs> Cause by the time I get home and I get settled in, then it's like everybody gets home from work and school and I've got to start cooking dinner and doing homework mm-hmm. and things and things just start snowballing. And <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like sit down and have like really any downtime until like 10 o'clock last night. So, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to start getting creative with that, but yeah. How's it going with you? Good. I, I feel like I'm, I've been a little bit of that same, like trying to figure out where to fit it in kind of thing mm-hmm. because um, just had a lot going on lately. And it seemed like there was a few weeks where I just kind of had to give up on, not that I I could have, you know, got up late at night or something or early in the morning. I just, it's still been really chilly in the morning and now it's finally starting to get warmer so it's starting to get easier you know that summer energy starts coming and it makes it easier to get up early and do all that stuff instead of having to put all on all the cold gear and everything 
so between the the cold weather and my uh, son being home during the day, um, it, you know, it's been tricky. But uh, I've actually found a pretty good groove the past couple weeks where I've got this garage workout that I'm that I started doing. And I had a little fun idea with it where uh, I've got my workout, I I do my time, and I've got a whiteboard, and I write it on there. And I've told all the other guys that are kind of around here, um, make a garage workout, and we can kind of do it like a series. Like, we can go to each other's place to do the workout, and that way you get up on the leaderboard on that, in that, for that garage, for that workout, you know. And... It can have, we can have a leaderboard for the overall thing. So like if you do all the, the different workouts, then you place, you know, based off of how, what, how fast you are for each, uh, each one. I don't know, just something a little silly and fun, but, uh, I have yet to go do anybody else's and I've no, you know, nobody's going to do mine yet, but the, the <laughs> concept is there. And I think if we do it, it'll, it'll be pretty cool. You're like a neighborhood garage workout series. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, cool. but the cool thing about it is it, it, it'll be adjustable too. So once I get to where this, this workout, this, the, the way it is now is V1. And like, as I progress, it's going to need to change and, you know, maybe either different rep number, you know, increase the number of reps or maybe, uh, throw in a different workout within there. But it basically consists of a run, uh, workouts with runs in between each set and then a run at the end. Uh, so, you know, similar to an OCR simulation type thing, but it could be anything in anywhere. That's the thing I like about it. It's like everybody can have their own unique version of this. Nice. Um, so I, I, I feel like I'm getting close. So like, I think I might be ready to go ahead and create V2 version two and, uh, up the reps or something. But on top of that, uh, I've been invited to this group workout uh, with from Will Will Raymond, and it's a it's a group of guys, and they call this thing F three, and it's uh shoot, fitness, faith and fellowship. I don't know something like that. So it's a group of guys, and and they kind of all there there are these groups all over the place, but it's free. There's no cost. It's just a kind of an organized thing that people have started doing. And I went um, once last week and, and, and twice now this week, and it's a 5.30 a.m. workout at a, at a local park. And uh, the workout's always different because it's always, it's peer-led, so everybody's always bringing something different to the table. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been cool. And this week, twice now, me and Will have met early, met at 5 a.m., and got in a couple extra miles because usually you'll get some mileage in like a mile and a half or something so like this morning and monday i got five miles with the workout too so it's pretty good nice yeah you're beating me on the uh ocr report (laughs) mileage board well last i mean last week yeah you had tons of mileage but uh have you just not put any mileage in this week or no, you doing workouts? So like my run schedule. So I, I subscribe to the running public's like strength workouts to do like sprinkled in in between. And um, so I'll do those like on my active recovery or my rest days. And um, so far that's been really fun. That's been helping out a lot. Um, and they're just like really basic strength workouts. Uh, but like my run schedule should be like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, like, um, 
run and then Wednesday is like either a hill or a speed workout. And then like Saturdays and Sundays are my long run days. However, (laughs) since like we've been talking about, I've been trying to fit it in as best I can. If I don't fit it in on that day, then I have to push it to the next day. So it's Mm -hmm. been becoming like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday workout (laughs) run schedule instead of, you know, giving myself two days uh, on on either end. Is that what you're expecting today, uh, this week? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, as soon as we're done here, I'm probably just going to hop on the treadmill and and make up some mileage. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which has been frustrating, too, right? Because, like, I have all these beautiful trails and stuff around me. But, like, if I can't fit it in on the trails or outside on the road, then I've got to work with what I've got. So, unfortunately, like, a lot of my mileage has been stuck on the treadmill. But I mean, I just figure it's better than nothing, right? It's better than like no mileage at all. Well, some people would say that. I, yeah. I would say <laughs> I'd rather just not do it. Than be on the treadmill. I know. 10 miles so far has been my max on the treadmill, which is probably what I'm going to do today. 10 miles Ooh. has been like my max. But you know what helps? So you know what helps has been. Um, so whenever I bought my treadmill, it came with one of those free iFit memberships for like a year mm. or something. And mm-hmm. so what I'll do is like I'll just queue up a video of like like the last few times it's been um, Tommy Ribs like running on the beaches of Portugal. And I'll just like, I'll put it at my own pace instead of following his his pace on that particular workout. And I'll just yeah. put it at my pace and put it on full screen so all I can see is the scenery. And I just watch the scenery. <laughs> I just watch nice. the scenery and like a little bit of what he's talking about. And then like, yeah, it it's helped, but... Yeah. It's still terrible, especially whenever like it disconnects from my internet and it, the video buffers. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm in my living room. <laughs> crap. <laughs> you know, that's funny. I found a VR app that is a trail run app. Uh-huh. And like when you can actually get on a treadmill <laughs> and I guess because of the way you bob up and down, it knows to make you move in, that's you know, crazy. in the VR world. So you're on a treadmill with a headset on and you can see, you know, woods and trees and stuff around you. It's, it's kind of neat. Uh, and, and, and it's got a mode where you can put a visible barrier around you to kind of let you know where the, uh, you know, the treadmill arms and stuff are. So you don't go flying off of it. That would be hilarious. That would be me (laughs) flying off the treadmill. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a funny experience this morning, you know how it is since we've been at this for what we feel like is a long time now. Uh, and we've gotten these mileages that are out of, you know, people that don't run's comprehension. Uh, we had a couple of guys run with us this morning. They joined us and they were like, so how much do you guys typically run? What are you training for? You know, that kind of stuff. And of course, it always leads to, well, <laughs> training for a 24 hour race, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're just like, oh, my God, I. I'm thankful I ran four four miles this week. You yeah, know? it's like well, you yeah. know, I, I was like that at one point too. Yeah, yeah. We all we all started somewhere. Yeah, one of the doctors that I work for he he trains mainly for Ironman, and um, 
And but whenever like vendors or whenever he has residents shadowing him, he's always like, oh, but Anna over there, she like w- runs way further than me. And like, I'm like, you run like 70.3. Like you run, bike and sweat. Like that's it's um, it's pretty comparable, you know, like. Yeah, you only do a marathon <laughs> after running and swimming. <laughs> right. I mean, after biking and swimming. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, it's pretty comparable. Like just because I can, you know, run 50 miles or run for 12 hours or whatever. Like I feel like we're pretty much on the <laughs> same plane and it's funny one of one of his residents has been shadowing him he'll come and observe one of his cases and he'll come and talk to me and be like I ran four miles this week <laughs> and just be like so proud and he's like I set a personal PR distance PR goal and he told me he ran like a half marathon last week and I'm like good for you <laughs> that's awesome yeah that is, it is really awesome to see people's you know, first time hitting that stuff because yeah. I mean, I, I I very vividly remember what it was like the first time I was like, I've only run four miles in training, and then I did a, a Spartan. Back then, you never knew how long it was going to be. Yeah, and it turned out to be a nine mile one. Yeah, and at mile seven, I was still running comfortably, and I was like, Wow, this is so awesome! I didn't realize I could go this far. Yeah, and so that's just the you know really cool part of it that. Um, it's awesome to, to see that from other people that yeah. are just getting out started. Yeah. And then, well, and then they ask you, right. The inevitable question always comes like, what would possess you to want to even do something like that? Like <laughs> why, you know, and like the, the best explanation I could think of is, is like, you know, whenever you first started running and you got that runner's high, you're like, oh man, this feels great. I just ran six miles and that's the furthest I've ever ran. And then like, you're always chasing that feeling. It's like, it's like that it's a drug, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you're addicted to that feeling. So you're always chasing it. So like my, my justification for going further or longer is like, because I'm still looking for that. (laughs) (laughs) And if I hadn't found it at a hundred K, maybe I'll find that feeling again at a hundred (laughs) miles. Yeah. You know, I actually had that question come up when I was down Louisiana recently visiting my, my parents. Uh, my aunt was over and, I guess my family was bragging on me about the stuff that I do. And so she was asking, and that question of course came up, why do you, why do you do it? And so my, my go-to is I, I'll, I'll usually start with a story and I'll tell the the time that I was in Tahoe and it hailed on me and I was on top of the mountain. I was miserable, cold. And then we got off the mountain and then the very next day, that's all I could think about was I want to be back on the mountain mm-hmm. And so my, so I, I tell that story and then I explain we're so quick to forget how bad it was, how much it hurt, but we will always remember the good parts and the, like the amazing views you had and the way it felt when you crested that bend and you could see across the valley and you know, all that good stuff. Like that stuff sticks with you forever. So that's, yeah. that's how I explain it to people is like, we get out there and destroy our bodies, but you don't remember that at no. all, at all. <laughs> It's, it's, it's really, it's like, I even tried right now. I'm trying to think about (laughs) how did it really feel when I was dehydrated and (laughs) sick? And it's just like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put that into my mind and really remember it without being like, yeah, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, it's just like, no, there was so many other good parts (laughs) to it that far outweigh how that felt. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, even whenever I think back to that 100K that I did and I ended up like having like a stress fracture or something or like a neuroma in my foot or something, it was yeah. like the, the most unbelievable pain I could think of. Even whenever I go back to that race and I think of that race, I'm like, that wasn't so bad. Like you could have kept running. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, was it really that bad or were you just being a baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I might, I might go back there and try for that hundred K again, just, to, mm. <laughs> just to get it out the way. You know, I do also go for, I go to the explanation of, I, I don't like the feeling of sprinting and getting yeah. winded. Mm-hmm. So I very much enjoy just long, leisurely, yeah. at my own pace, kind of, you know, that slow drain on my body as opposed to a very fast, I'm dying kind of yeah. pain. Yeah, because my coworker <laughs> was, you know, we were talking about it and she was like, okay, but how much of this 100 miler are you actually going to be like running? <laughs> and like, like she's she stays pretty active. I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's like a, a bigger girl, but like she, you know, she uh she gets out and walks with her kids and like she, a, a lot of times um she'll go out and walk with her mom her mom lives with them now um but yeah she's like cuz to me running is like i'm all out running Sprinting, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how much of it are you actually running i'm like 0% <laughs> i'm like absolutely none <laughs> right most most people would probably consider it jogging yeah yeah. But to us, you know, it is it is running. It's technically running. <laughs> but um I know I know recently shoot, hang on. I had the story that was um so yeah, people people I lost my train of thought, I'm sorry. People <laughs> have that thought of yeah, I remember now. Um if you're not sprinting, it's not it's not running. And I I read a article recently and it was titled i think it was titled slow to f down like you want to get better at running slow the f down because that's you know learning how to pace yourself and Mm -hmm. that's really the the truth of it is that you you cannot run you cannot sprint up you know whatever i mean obviously there are people who can run a marathon (laughs) at a five four something pace but for for us mortals uh you know you just have to learn to Basically, run as slow as you possibly can, and that way you can continue running. Conservation of energy, right? Yeah, <laughs> conservation of resources. Actually, I was listening to my pod to what a podcast on uh, on my long run this past weekend, and uh, David Terrio he he does Run the Riot podcast. Mm-hmm. He's he's based out of Oklahoma, but he's from Louisiana, and mm-hmm. he had uh, a a guest on his podcast talking about how he got into ultras and his background as a power lifter. So like he knows he and his wife both do ultras, and they're not like the fastest at all. Like he wanted to go to Western States and break the record at Western States for like the the last person to come in at the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) Like before the cutoff at like 59 and 59 seconds, like right at the cutoff. But anyway, um, uh, he was talking about this, one of these 50 milers that he did, I think in Kansas or something. And there was like a, it was on a semi-paved trail and uh so there was like bikers and other people about in the park and this lady on her bike like passed him up and was like oh what's going on out here and he's like oh we're running a 50 mile race and she just looks at him she's like 
well, you're not winning. And he's like, and he's like, well, you're not running. <laughs> and she, she just wrote off or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Like how many times have I felt like that? Like, like you go and you tell your relatives or your loved ones or mm. something like, oh yeah, I just ran this, you know, super long race. And they're like, well, did you win? Yeah. Well, well but <laughs> like, I didn't go to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, let me ask you, uh, well, before we get into talking about Battle of the Lions, which is what we're <laughs> going to talk about, um, I've been looking into a hydration vest. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've got a hydration pack mm-hmm. and that I've been using for a long time. And, I, and I'm finding, of course, I've talked a lot about the hydration issues that I've had. So I'm trying to figure out a better way to hold hydration and and i see you know obviously trail runners are you see more vests than you do just camelbacks Mm -hmm. and um so the ones i've looked at so far i actually just added some to my wish list on amazon from osprey um that actually holds a one and a half liter bladder but also has the pocket for the flexible um uh for the bottles bottles yeah mm-hmm. um so you know with that i could hold two and a half liters mm-hmm. but it seems like it would all sit better now mm-hmm. i also get hot easily so mm-hmm. you know one of the concerns for me is running without a, a shirt on and if it would destroy my body or not but do you have any uh recommendations because i haven't you used vests before yeah actually funny it's funny you say that because i've been <laughs> giving this a lot of thought lately because like <laughs> i was i was thinking about it on my run and i was like man i haven't ran with a vest that with it like i have vests that can accommodate the bladders and the and the camelbacks with you know and but i just like i i haven't used them and partially because like i'm a little lazy in that sense that I don't want to take the time to like clean out those bladders and like properly like soak them and clean them and do all the (laughs) other crap to them. And so like I've, (laughs) I've, I've ventured more towards vests and I'm looking at, I'm like hanging up my wall right now, uh, towards vests that either hold those soft flasks, um, like my, my ultimate direction vest and it's the adventure Vesta. It can accommodate, I think, either a one and a half or two liter bladder. Um, and it has like all the attachments if you wanted to hang the straw and everything um, wherever you wanted to. But then. But you've used it without the bladder. Right. And I just used it to like stash my gear. Like if it's cold and then it gets hot, then I can stash it, stash my jacket or whatever, like in the pack where the bladder yeah. would go. Um, but it also has like the pockets up front to accommodate um, the soft flasks. And okay. I like the soft flask because like I can have um, I can have several bo- like a couple bottles, one that has maybe some caffeine in it if I wanted some caffeine and one without the caffeine and just had the it was just like strictly electrolytes. Um, yeah. So I like that one for that reason. Um, it can hold like one, uh, I think, 250 or 500 mil soft flask up front. And I like the soft flasks. I think Nathan makes them with the really long straws mm-hmm. that sit and your straw is just like right there. So you right. don't really have to like take the bottle out and, and drink it. Um, <clears throat> but also um, Ultra Aspire uh, came out with this vest that I really like a lot. And actually um, Amanda Basham designed it. And um, 
it holds, it can accommodate two 500 mil bottles. Uh, nice. And they have, their their plastic bottles are a little bit more rigid, but they're contoured so that like if you do put them in the vest, it, it's not uncomfortable. You know, it's mm. like, it's almost like ergonomic in a way um, because nice. it just fits to the, your body. And both of those vests, I would say, are pretty breathable. Like they're both meshy materials. So they're not really hot or anything. Um, Even though you've so, got a full back, the back's mm-hmm. not uh, not open in a sense of a mesh by itself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, even like the Ultra Aspire vest, it's got like a magnetic closure on it so that mm-hmm. like I can stash whatever I want back there. If it's not another bottle, it's, you know, um, a jacket, shirt, whatever. Um, and it's it's super breathable. It's, uh, yeah, it's not like solid material. Um, so it's not, it doesn't get super hot. Um, so Ultra Aspire, what was the one you have? Ultra Aspire, I can't remember what they called it, but I know it's the one that's uh, designed by Amanda Basham, and she's like... Really that's the one you say you're looking at, though? I have it. <laughs> it oh, was okay. an impulse buy. Gotcha. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think I'm just going to go ahead and pull a trigger on this. Uh, so I, I bought that one, because like the uh, where the other bottle sits, where the um, bottle holder sits on the vest, it's like on your back, but it's like you could just reach back there pull the bottle mm. out and slip it back in super easy. Nice. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it's like a, a pocket that was made like specifically for that bottle to hold that bottle. Cool. Um, yeah. And then the, the other one is the ultimate direction, uh, adventure Vesta. Okay. So those two, I would, the, the ultimate direction vest actually has a lot more storage than the, uh, ultra aspire vest, which I like, uh, especially for like longer runs. Because mm. I can just stash everything, all kinds of places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll check those out. You know, I bought a uh, Osprey day pack mm-hmm. for that run through Eagle Rock Loop, mm-hmm. and it really—I mean, it was—it's probably a great hiking bag. It wasn't the best for running, um, even though it had a strap at the bottom. It, it you know, didn't really stay put as well as a, a vest would, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like thinking now and i've seen the ones that i saw looked at today i'm like why in the heck did i see these i, I mean i wasn't looking for running this i don't know what it was i was looking for something to hold a larger hydration pack not yeah. thinking about the fact that if you had a pack and bottles that would be fantastic you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's, like, I, that's what i think i might try next i, I like the the ultra aspire vest just because it, it can carry like two 500 ml bottles so you can essentially carry a liter of of hydration with you yeah so that's what i'm thinking is get a pack that can hold a liter and a half in the Mm -hmm. bladder and two 500 milliliter bottles Mm -hmm. up front Mm -hmm. so that would be pretty cool yeah now the ultra aspire bottles are a little wider so i think Mm. yeah so and one of the you know where where would i use that kind of thing probably not on a course necessarily Mm -hmm. but um We've been in talks about doing the DFW to Fort Worth 50 oh, mile yeah. again. <laughs> now, I, I just said that backwards, but I was thinking, would it be cool to do it backwards as opposed to doing it the same direction? You should, again? Have, you should have both. <laughs> but we have we have uh, been talking about doing it again. And if we do, it's going to be like early December. 
like oh. after Thanksgiving kind of thing. Okay. Um, cause, uh, cause the year is actually more busy this year, you know, yeah. so uh, early, late October, it wouldn't really work. So if we do, um, we're, we're, I, th- I feel pretty confident that we were wanting to open it up to other people as well, which yeah. will be hard logistically. But, um, I think as long as we give people, you know, here's where you start, here's where you stop, here's where our pits are, you make your own rides and take care of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be pretty neat to have a, a a crew or a crowd to do it. That would be cool. Yeah. I feel like I had one more thing <laughs> before we talk about Conquered Battle of Lions. I did that again. I did that on the live stream. You did. I, I said, didn't get to I didn't get to watch that. I had it queued up at my YouTube when I kept meaning to watch it. <laughs> I kind of watched it again. But, oh, so <laughs> all right. So well let's just go ahead and get into it, I guess. I, I woke up that morning <laughs> And, uh, you know, I went out the day before and did some testing and stuff and, uh, I came home and was kind of, I don't know, not feeling super energetic. So I just kind of hang, hung out, got to bed at a decent time and I had my alarm set for six and I was wanting to get out there for, uh, you know, six forty-five, somewhere around seven, cause they don't start till eight o'clock. And, uh, my son crawled into bed at like five fifty-five. <laughs> And I, it woke me up, and I looked at my watch. I was like, oh, I got five more minutes. And then I somehow slept through two alarms after that. <laughs> so, so I woke up at 6.45, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I cursed and, and jumped out of bed and, uh, and rushed. Yeah, you know, I got out the door in 10 minutes and then got there in another 15. And, yeah, so I was a little kind of in a tizzy once I got there and uh, I know as I started the live stream I accidentally said started to say conquer the gauntlet instead of battle of the lights <laughs> like where am I again what, what day is it where, where is this <laughs> so oh I, I remember now what I want to talk about before we got into this have you been watching or seen the Cordona uh, 250 the, the Cordona no I've seen Cordona, very many yeah. yeah I've seen many many a post about it but I, ha- I know I have not. I have not. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and just talk about this quickly because it kind of relates to the live streaming side of things. I, I looked at it in a little bit of awe and amazement because of the fact that they are live streaming the whole thing. They're live streaming for like five days straight. That's crazy. Um, and their live stream has a few graphics on it. And they've got a couple of uh, commentators and multiple cameras that are out you know on these trails so i'm like mm-hmm. i will want it i need to know how y'all are doing this because mm-hmm. i'm doing it and i need to know if i'm doing it right and if there's a better way that i can you know without costing more money that we can do it that's what I, so i actually reached out to them to see because nice. they've got um they've got drones drone footage they've got people just walking around with cameras uh, they've got some runners that are out. You can tell they've got gimbals and because the camera's nice and smooth. But then they've also got spots where they're like, we can't get any footage here because there's no cell signal. You know, like, yeah. so I, I, I feel pretty confident they're running into the same issues that we all are. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping they reach out to me uh, so I can get feedback on just the, just an idea. What platforms are you using uh, and, and, you know, any any hiccups or anything I'm not thinking about. Yeah. Because that would be nice to know. Because there are plenty of places that do it. But I just know that cellular bonding is the key to doing it well. But yeah. it just costs money. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I know we went and had dinner with a, a friend that lives up in Boulder in a more remote like area of the canyon, and um, like he can only get satellite internet. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got like a fifteen million dollar house and he can only get satellite <laughs> internet. Anyway, uh uh and he had some friends over and they were like playing around with one of their DJI drones. And I was like, oh and I was like asking him all sorts of stuff about it. And I think there is like a little bit of a language barrier because he was from Venezuela and like <laughs> I don't know if he like completely understood what I was trying to ask him because I was trying to ask him like if he'd ever done anything like mm live streaming wise with it um not just you know recording videos but yeah. i don't i don't think he understood what i was asking <laughs> because he was like oh yeah 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 i'm like oh, okay but he didn't he didn't explain anything more about it i was mm. like oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i um you know i talked about the race before i get into the technical side of, of all that stuff um so just a reminder for listeners, the Battle of the Lions is a race by David Mainprize, who is one of the founders of Conquer the Gauntlet, and he broke off to do Young Lions. So Young Lions is, was just a only kids race, only kids obstacle course race. And there are a couple of those out there, like, like I don't know what you, I can't remember the name of them, but like, like a foam fest style, like a little bit more fun than hardcore OCR. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's basically like the only, like just kids race, solely focused on kids, kids race. So he started doing that in 2019 and spread out super quick. You know, he's, he's probably had more races than, maybe be even Spartan. I don't know. Like he's put on a lot of races in 2019. And the funny thing is, since it's just kids, you get a very different crowd. You get mm-hmm. soccer moms that are bringing their kids out to have some fun. So it's, it's a, a lot different, but I think he, he saw a, you know, there's a need for this and there's a, uh, a hole that's not being filled. So, but then of course, 2020 hit and then he, you know, wasn't able to put on any events. So, so I think that's where he's at. Just like I need, I, I, I want to keep doing OCR. So what can I do next? And then the other person involved is Sid Morris, who of course we all know from battle OCR. And, uh, you know, Sid has gotten some great na- uh, recognition by working with OCR WC doing, uh, metal scaffolding builds for some of the obstacles there. So for those that saw Valkyrie, uh, or pretty much anything with scaffolding, uh, that was his design and build. So uh, these two guys, you know, put together this race, and they've got four races this year, and it's kind of a series where each one is focused on a different aspect of OCR. This first race was grip. And, of course, you say grip, and OCR people think, oh, it's going to be a ton of rigs. And that's not all it was. It wasn't just rigs. It was more uh, carries, carries rigs, and um, push and uh, pull, and a lot of pull as well. So they're going to have, I forget exactly what the other ones are. I think the next race is in Kansas City, and it's focused Mm -hmm. on strength. Um, But this one, though, I felt like they, as far as like that concept, they pulled it off pretty well. Uh, the venue was at DFW Adventure Park. It's the same place that, that Gauntlet's been in the past, but they hadn't been back there for a few years. Now, 
super cool thing about this little tech uh, sneak peek here, they had 5G signal everywhere. That entire venue had full-on 5G signal, which was really awesome. So, because, you, you know, usually you go to a, a race, like even like San Antonio and Austin, you don't get much uh, much cell signal out there. Um, so the race itself, it had rained and poured very hard the week before. And while we were catching up, I was meaning to talk about this, but it a hailstorm came through, like to the point that we've had, uh, we've submitted a insurance claim to fix our roof because the hail was just came through and destroyed everything. I mean, it was uh, golf ball sized hail, which, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of hail in my life, but never anything that big. Never. Um, so that was that was pretty wild. Uh, and, and, you know, all along that same train of thought, uh, I, I've we've kind of seen it like just in experience, but have now learned about this concept of big cities because of the amount of uh, concrete dissipate a certain amount of heat that that almost drives storms away or around them. Obviously, storms can still come through, but it's less likely to happen. We used to live over by the airport, DFW airport, and we would constantly see these big storms coming through the DFW area and we'd be like, oh no, a storm's coming through. But then it would just go shh, go north and like pass us up. And we're like, oh wow, that wasn't nothing. It like for the, you know, four years that we lived out that way, it's just like it never came by us. And then we move over here, you know, Fort Worth, like north side of Fort Worth, and it's like very first year freaking hailstorm comes through and tears our stuff up. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, apparently that was a pretty unique storm. Like that doesn't happen. You know, it does happen, but not once a year or anything. Cause it was pretty big hail. Um, so that's why the course was super muddy and partly the way it was because they weren't able to get some obstacles back in the woods as much as they would hope have hoped to this venue. When you drive in and go past all the paintball courses, there's a large field that is uh, where the festival area was and where the majority of the obstacles were. There's another road you can take to get down to this section that's easily accessible where they had, you know, basically the rest of the obstacles. Now, once you got out of the field and went through the woods to that section, you went through the woods a bunch more, but there was no obstacles back there just simply because it was so muddy and like they would have gotten stuck trying to get stuff out there. Um, so it was a, it was very consolidated groups of obstacles. It's the best way to put it, but it, it still worked out. And it's funny because the beginning of the course felt while there was some good grip stuff happened, it wasn't that bad. It was like, I'm going to do this grip thing and then I'm going to run for a while and my arms will recover. So the very first obstacle was at the start line. You yeah. start it with, to cinder like half cinder blocks mm-hmm. with that were um, hanging from a rope, but the rope had a big thick PVC pipe on it. So you were grabbing from the PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. So you had to carry that in a, a a loop from the start line. So you actually start it with those in your hand, which is you know pretty unique. So not a fast start. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously, right? Obviously, <laughs> if you have a ton of people. Yeah. That is uh, a logistical nightmare, but 
um, they, you know, they dealt with it because they only had, I think, 150 or so pro wave. I think they had more pro wave than, than they did open wave, which is pretty wild. Um, but they ended up breaking it up into a couple of waves. Uh, they didn't have timing chips. You know, there's all these things that they want to do. Obviously, they want to do it right, but it all costs money, and they're kind of just getting this thing started. And, you know, what what can you do when uh, you don't have the, the the funds there and you feel pretty confident the crowd's not going to be big? Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, those things that we would love to see at a race didn't happen, but it was okay because it wasn't a giant crowd and you kind of expected it. So I think they tried to put... They broke the, the men's wave and the women's waves into two groups. So you had one men's pro, second men's pro, women's pro, and then another women's pro wave. So I think for the most part, they tried to put, you know, who they thought the front runners were going to be in the first wave. Mm. So, um, so so they had two, two different pro waves for each mm. uh, males and... Yep. And females. Yeah, so it was all gun time based off of those two waves. I not gotcha. okay. Not, I'm sorry, not gun time. It was all. There's no timing chip, so it wasn't. Yeah, it was that like gun time, but it, right? So like if, if well, it was like, gun time for each wave, but right. then combined together. Yeah. So. I gotcha. Yeah, because I, I, that's what I was just thinking of. Like if they if they broke up to to uh, broke it up into two pro waves each without chips it would be a little hard to like say well there was someone in the second wave that was actually faster than the first but whatever you would compare times like that makes more sense right so they they you know as people came through they were writing down their time what way they started in mm-hmm. and that way they knew what their actual over overall time was yeah and for the guys it didn't make a difference uh there was victor quesado was in first um a guy I think I've seen before, but didn't really recognize his name. Brent something. I don't want to mess it oh, up. Oh, Brent Hastert. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you recognize him? I think I've seen his name at some grit fitness maybe events. Okay. Maybe. I don't know if that's, if I'm speaking correctly. but. And he was back and <laughs> forth with, um, so it was him. Actually, no, no. Van Tran came in second. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, um. It was Victor, Van, and Brent. And um, I think, you know, at certain points, Brent was in the lead, too. And he ended up dropping back to third. So it was a good example of how this course can can wear you down. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool names out there. A lot of people, you know, you, you hadn't seen in a long time. Kind of kind of cool story. Matt Campion, mm-hmm. uh, he was looking on my Facebook feed to see uh, my live stream and saw April's post about our, the hailstorm, and he owns a roofing company. And so he actually contacted me and said, he's like, Hey, I was looking for your live feed, but I saw that y'all guys had a giant hailstorm. Do y'all need, need a roof? <laughs> yeah. So he, he, so at first I was like, no, nah, there's no damage up there. And then come to find out, I don't know anything about roofing and how shingles get damaged. So, um, through not only talking to him, but also through talking to a coworker that explained an older coworker that's been through some of that stuff explained to me. Uh, so we, uh, we, we have, uh, we're working with him to, you know, go through insurance and get, mm-hmm. uh, get a new roof put on. So it actually worked out pretty good <laughs> that, that he was there at that race. 
Um, so he was there, Jay Flores, um, you know, on the women's side, um, Amy Padgett won. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so for the women, that's where it got interesting because Amy Padgett won pretty single-handedly. There was one obstacle that was like a permanent obstacle there that they tried to turn into an obstacle. And it was, it was kind of funny because on the live stream, you can see it. The, the first three men, they run right past it. Didn't even realize. There was no volunteer there. So they just yeah. went on past. Yeah. Didn't even think about it. Uh, but the women, apparently, and later men's heats, apparently, too. Later men's men in that group. But the women's heat, they got there, and it was only two lanes. But they were, it was straight up and down logs out of the ground. And they had little footholds nailed onto them. And as the as everybody went, the ground was getting softer because it was wet. And so the, the they started wiggling back and forth. So as Jeez. you're trying to reach from one post to another, they were getting further and further apart. Oh, God. So I, I think somebody, so for the women, it was getting tough and they were getting kind of like stuck in a line. And I think somebody ended up, uh, like a guy ended up like tearing their shoulder or something. So they took, mm. they took it out after that point. But it was so funny because we just ran right past it when I was following <laughs> the men's wave. Um, so yeah, Amy Padgett, uh, had a, a handed lead. She was, you know, straight up there. She didn't fail anything. Um, and then after that, Miranda Hubert or a Hubert, I think mm-hmm. she was looking to take second and she, I think she failed stairway 2.0 like once or something. So she was kind of sitting there for a minute and then China, Heart? I'm forgetting her last name. I was look- she- I was just looking at our results. <laughs> Heart, yes, China. Heart. China. She she came through, and she was from the second wave. Uh-huh. So it was like, oh wow, she might actually. I take that back. There was first and second came through already. Um, who was second? Uh, Aaliyah Imas. That's right. Um, and so China came through, and it was like, wow, she this might shake up first and second. Mm-hmm. So that actually, you know, kind of got a little exciting there. But uh, I think it ended up just being first, second, and third, just mm-hmm. as they came through, which is pretty, pretty wild. Um, so, yeah, with that, <laughs> that uh, post issue and, you know, just the course being hard, uh, the women were, you know, having trouble getting through. And I, I don't know how many finished with their band. Uh, I feel like maybe I saw 10 or so. I can't remember for sure. Did they do it Savagery style then? You talk about yeah. bands, like they had the pro bands for everybody that was like competing for podium. Yeah, and and Sid mentioned that he wants to be able to do a vest so it's more visible because those mm-hmm. bands are, it's kind of hard to tell who's got one, who doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, you can take it off, put it in your pocket, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So he wants to do like a vest. So something a little bit more in line with what um, Tough Mudder does, but mm-hmm. maybe closer to what you see in some European racing. Mm-hmm. So. If they get the money uh, to do it and, you know, bigger crowds, and that's probably the route they'll go. Even but. just uh, even just like those belts that CCG had, uh, like just get some like really <laughs> neon colored belts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were pretty, you couldn't, you couldn't miss those, I feel like. And that's yeah, true. you could, you could like take it off and put it back on, but it's more of a pain in the butt to put, <laughs> take off and put back on than just slipping off a band. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the venue was very muddy, um, but there were still plenty of runnable spots through the woods. And it just, there was like one long stretch that was a road and it was, 
I mean, it was just sloppy as all can all get out. But but honestly, it was supposed to rain that day, and it and the rain held off, and it never rained. Oh. So it was kind of turned out to be earlier. a nice day. Yeah, I mean, it was overcast all day, yeah. but besides that, it was it was actually good temperatures for for running and stuff. Uh, I know those front runner guys; they came through with some gnarly scratches on their <laughs> legs from all the briars and stuff. Oh God, <laughs> that sounds terrible. I'm trying. Is that where we did Continuum that one year in uh, DFW Adventure Park? Is that where I feel like Continuum I don't think was? so. The last one think we they did, had the very last one. Yeah, for CCG. Yeah, I don't think they had Continuum when they were at Adventure, uh, DFW Adventure Park. Gotcha. Um, yeah, they were at that ven- that other venue for a couple of years though. And so, yeah, the the obstacles themselves, like I said, you had that carry right off from the bat and then you ran out the field through the woods for a while. And then you got to another carry. It was like cinder blocks with uh, or not cinder blocks, like just concrete blocks with uh, rope holds on them. Mm-hmm. Little carry there, a couple of little random obstacles. One was like a jump to a, a rope swing, which is kind of fun. Um, a, a, a slip wall. Um, uh, uh, pipe traverse, nothing, nothing crazy. So it, at first, it like it kind of seemed like you know there's not a lot going on in this course. But then you get out of the the long run in the woods after that, and you get to a a rope rig that had probably ten ropes. Like it was a pretty long rope rig. Like I chose it was like to, nothing but ropes. Yeah. So I chose to use my feet and do J-hooks through the whole thing because I didn't want to risk getting tired out and slipping because it was long. It was very long. Uh, so you did that, slip wall, and then Valkyrie. Valkyrie was like the first, besides the rope rig, was probably the first really hard one. So I know, you know, some people were getting stuck at that because um, it's, you know, it's pretty tough. But then there was a uh, crawl, big wall, crawl big wall and then you got to one that was it was funny because I, I asked Sid when I saw just a picture of it without the no the bags were on it so it's got uh, uh, sandbags and I was like is that I thought that was the the kids sandbag <laughs> the hoist you know and, and he posted something on Facebook said this is not by the way it's not the kids hoist this is a, a twist so you roll the rope instead of hoisting it you roll oh, the rope on a pipe yeah, i think i saw him demoing that yeah yeah so that was i mean it was pretty tough like <laughs> by the time you're done with it when i when i went through myself and i got done with it it was like wow the, my arms feel pretty pretty blasted from that <laughs> so that's like where the spool kind of remember like the spool yeah. at, at conquer the gauntlet except you're not doing it with your feet you have to do it with right. your arms <laughs> yeah so it really it really taxes your grip there so that's where the race you know the hard part of the race besides all the mud really started because then you had that and even after that there was a traverse wall that's pretty lengthy and uh you know it it's kind of hard to hang on to that after you've just taxed it from from doing that roller thing after that there was a grip uh force five rig so you got all those different force five grips Mm -hmm. and um a sandbag Carry, crawl, two hoist. You know, Sid <laughs> likes to have multiple obstacles in one obstacle. Yeah. Um, and then after that was uh, Stairway 2.0. So you've got 
something, you know, those that go to OCRWC, you might see this there where it's like Valkyrie. It's an up and down, but you've got steps in a way that swing. So they're on a pendulum. So instead of a ring, it's a, it's a, just a, basically a kind of a, a T. I'm not going to say a bar because it's more of a, it's a tube. It's a, um, kind of like a two by four metal tube. Um, so you got to work your way up those. Now, best thing about this, you know, one of the things that made stairway such a tricky obstacle is you could only grab it from one side. And so if you swung away from that, it's hard to hold on to that flat surface. Mm-hmm. With with these, you can actually reach around back back and forth because it's not, you know, a stairway's got a, a good like two by six or two by eight plank. I forget what it is. Mm-hmm. But on these, it's like I said, it's a two by four tube. So it's much easier to get both hands on it front and back. Yeah. So some people will go, you know, both hands on the same side and go backwards and go up it. But really, mm-hmm. my technique is to go hand on one side, inside, outside, and then work it like that. So you're basically going sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Makes it a little bit yes. easier. Right. Because that one but looked they had... pretty intimidating just looking at it. Just looks <laughs> intimidating. But, like, it looked fun. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's a good one. It's 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 hard. And, uh, you know, that definitely, especially early in the morning in the men's wave, some of the, not the front runners, but some of the people just shortly past them were having trouble just because it was a little moist from the dew and and from the people that had just passed through, I think. Mm-hmm. So some people were having trouble getting through, uh, you know, on their first, first couple of tries. Yeah, I can but, see that being like a similar challenge to the wooden stairway. Uh, you know, if it got too muddy or too wet or something. Oh, yeah. Sometimes like just the feel of it, just you, you, your hand is on there real good, but like you right. just don't feel like it is because it's like wet and slippery. Yeah. Well, I always talk about, you know, technique for stairway. The best thing you can do is control your, your body's movement. Because mm-hmm. if you can stay directly under the steps, then your grip is fine. The problem is when your body swings away from it and your grip, you, there's nothing to, you're not gripping. You're slip. You're just yeah. sliding off of it. So that's really like as you're going up, just using that core to control your body from swinging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's your best bet. Yeah. So, but that and the transition at the top was always like tricky because it's just you right. have to trust yourself to make that transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then after that, there was a crawl. And then the very last obstacle they called Complector, which was the name of the the course, the race itself, which has something to do, you know, like maybe it's Latin or something for holding on, uh, holding on tight or something. So it was a weaver. And then when you had to go, the, the weaver part that you had to go under had a pipe that would could roll. So it wasn't oh, PVC, which would have been. Yeah. So it wasn't PVC, which would have been even harder, but it was a big metal tube over the main tube, which, yeah, could could spin. So that made it a little trickier. Oh, geez. And then so you went up the weaver and then instead of going directly down the weaver like you do on a normal typical weaver obstacle, the middle section was a low rig consisting of those same steps from stairway. 2.0. So those swinging pendulum steps. So it was kind of like a hook your leg, grab the one in front of you, and just kind of walk your legs over, you know, over them. 
And then you do the uh, weaver down after you get through that. So it was it was kind of slow, but seeing people try to race through it was was pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So good race, good obstacles, Um, you know, obviously things that can be better, um, like that post obstacle that was there that needed to get taken out. (laughs) You know, here that are just like fenced off. Like this is not our obstacle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But besides that, I think overall, you know, uh, Sid having David there for logistics for the race is a great match. I I really hope that they continue and uh, can keep working together and and keep getting better because we like battle race. And mm-hmm. the thing we always said was Sid just needs somebody to help him with logistics. Yeah. <laughs> and so now he's got it. So yeah. I think it's going to yeah. be a great thing. I, I'd be curious to see how that course differs from the one coming up in Kansas City. I, I'm not going to lie. I was I was seriously looking at that one because, like, <laughs> where it's being held, like, Olathe is uh, not too far from me. It's still, like longer than I want to drive. It's, I mean, it's only an eight hour drive, but like just driving. Yeah, it's like to going to New Orleans to Austin. Yeah. Just, but <laughs> just like driving through the plains though, it doesn't oh, sound yeah. too, but what my, uh, so I have a friend that um, uh, is big into mountain bike racing and he's from Kansas city and he's like, Oh, well you have to take a picture with a, uh, the Jesus in a cornfield billboard. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's like probably the best part of the trip. Making the drive from here to Kansas city is <laughs> taking a picture. So apparently there's this big giant billboard with, uh, his face in a cornfield, just like random. I'm like, why? <laughs> no words or anything. No words on it. It's just a picture <laughs> that somebody painted that's been there for forever. And it's funny because, like, if you Google search images on it, like all these people taking pictures, like with it in the nice. background, like, yeah. will pop up. I was like, I gotta see this. I don't know if I'll drive like eight hours for it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I, like I just, I, I, uh, yeah. I opted yeah. out of it. Well, I, I, oh. <laughs> well, I think their in, their intention is this is not going to be a replacement for battle race. Yeah. Instead, they're basically doing this as what else is going on this year? Let's exactly. get some OCR happening. And it is unique in itself in the fact that it is a different course every time. You know, battle race, you somewhat know what to expect, but here... The grip course is one thing. The strength course is going to be another thing. The, Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the, I think, oh, no, maybe endurance. I can't remember. I think there's the fourth grip strength, endurance. uh, Yeah, I can't remember what the endurance one's going to be. But that one's going to be in Oklahoma, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The fourth one is supposed to be all dependent on how many people sign up. So, like, they're going to have a set amount of obstacles. But if they get over a certain amount of signups, then it's going to be an additional obstacle for every X amount of signups. So mm. if a bazillion people sign up, it could be a bazillion obstacles. That's the crazy thing about it. Jeez. And 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 I know I heard Sid talking about logistic-wise, the more people that sign up, the more rows each obstacle will have as well. 
So it, it, it's kind sense. of dependent on on the money. The more yeah. money the race brings in, the bigger this race is going to be. And it could be an insane beast if mm-hmm. a lot of people sign up. That's mm-hmm. a really neat idea and uh, hope it hope it works out for them. That's interesting. That's an interesting. I mean, I, I didn't even know, actually, that there was any prize money involved. I was surprised to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 500 for first, three uh-huh. for second, and 200 for third. Yeah. So that's so. hopefully that'll draw some people out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because for I sure. think, I, th- I think, you know, if anybody was familiar with Sid, SIDS races, you know, we never had prize money for SIDS races, but, uh, you know, that might be a, a good draw for maybe people that aren't necessarily wanting to do Spartan, but then they're looking for like a local OCR to support. Yeah, and, and it really does kind of feel more like a obviously not the pro- polish of a OCRWC, but you are going to get that mandatory ob- obstacle completion, and you're going to get harder new obstacles that you've never seen before. You know, yeah. that's something that the when the discussion comes up of how should OCR be, which I don't know why people always ask this question, but people tend to want to go to what they like the most. Oh, it should be mandatory obstacle completion, uh, obstacles that aren't crazy hard because they're starting to get too hard and regular people can't do them. And I don't know, it just turns into a stupid conversation. Like the truth <laughs> is obstacle course racing is awesome because you can go to a number of different races and get a number of different experiences. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can I can go to a local a charity race and do three miles and get some like little hometown built obstacles. Or you can go to Spartan and get some really refined obstacles with a preset number of mileages, you know, Mm -hmm. or you can do tough mutter and go run 12 hours or 24 hours and get some really unique obstacles. Yeah. Or you can go do OCRWC, which is a little closer probably closer to uh, European racing where it's more about the obstacle completion and having pretty tough obstacles. So I love that there is the option out there for everybody. It's not a preset thing. It's not turning into American Ninja Warrior because American Ninja Warrior is a preset thing. And you're not going to get that out of OCR. It's going to be something different no matter where you go and possibly even in the same race series like we're seeing it could be something different too you know that was what ocr ocr grew up on was you don't know what you're going to get when you get out there you don't know how many miles it's going to be that's how spartan started (laughs) exactly right yeah that's yeah that's that's why sid made his races like three plus and then it ended up being seven (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) <laughs> because that's how that's how Spart- that's how I remember Spartan races being. Uh, yeah, the, the story I told the story I told earlier my my first time running nine miles when previously I'd only run four, but they said the race was I what I don't know seven to eight seven to nine I don't know what the what sprints uh, supers used to be, but it it I was think they full gave on a range nine of miles. like six to ten. I think yeah. they used to give a range of like six to 10 miles for the super. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's a pretty big discrepancy there. Six miles or 10 miles. You well, know. there was one in Alabama that was supposed to be, you know, it was a super. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the beast used to say 12 to 14, 16. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it said, but the super was supposed to only be seven, six to to eight or whatever, yeah. whatever you just said. 
but it was 11 plus. Like it was the longest super I had ever seen ever, <laughs> even to this day. So yeah, that was amazing that you never knew what you're getting yourself into back then. Yeah. So yeah, that's still out there. It's still out there to, to find an experience. That's what I, and I can't remember who I heard talking about this, but I, that's why I think the fact that Red Bull has partnered with OCRWC, I think that is really exciting just because like, I feel like our sport fits, fits in more with that genre of sports, like the X games type sports, you know? Yeah. Cause they have so many weird sports that they, right. That they do. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, I think river jumping some- with a pole. <laughs> right yeah. on some Saturday mornings too, they'll have like freestyle mountain biking, and they'll just and since everything's virtual right now, they've they they just have these people that they invited to compete in this mountain biking competition, and it's just people submitting videos of them doing tricks <laughs> on their mountain bikes, and it's like like how do you even judge that? They're not doing the same tricks. <laughs> right, There's right. like you know so much so many different things that they could do on a mountain bike, like in so many different terrains. Like, what are you even gonna do? <laughs> So I feel yeah. like our sport fits in more with that crowd versus like the Olympics. Know, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't I feel agree. like we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me talk some, some technical nonsense for, for a few minutes. Um, Cause there, there are a few people out there that enjoy that. But uh, I, so like I said, I got up early uh, or I tried to get up early on Saturday. Um, I went out there and, the thing about uh, what I was have been worried about that these other races is it's always about cell signal. Now, the, mm-hmm. the part that I've struggled with is for the signal I have, what settings do I use? And I was really focusing more on uh, the resolution as opposed to the bit rate and the frame rate. And what I found out is that really the more important thing is the bit rate itself. So... Whereas in San Antonio, the first day for the super, I ended up using um, like the built-in thing for vMix, which is the the production platform I'm using, the built-in caller piece of it. And I know their their bit rate and their resolution is kind of preset. So I think it was just too high. So whereas on the second day, I actually chose my own resolution and went way down to um shoot 640 by something i forget what it was but it defaulted the bit rate to i think 700 kilobytes a second so pretty low and um so that's why i was actually able to get some feed out now the feed didn't look amazing it wasn't pristine but because and that's the that's the key i know that i can get a low bit rate and get a smoother feed mm-hmm. ORM they've been doing um, they've been using a platform called Streamlabs Stream, Streamlabs I think and it's got a preset bit rate at 4500 so I just said in San Antonio I did 700 bit rate their bit rate is preset to 4500 and if you've been watching any of the Savage Race because um, they're doing their live streams with Savage Race where they're not actually going on site. Savage Race is using their phones as cameras, which they've been doing for forever. But it's always been a disjointed um, Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome that they're now able to put those feeds together and have a couple of different cameras on course at the same time. So through Stream Streamlabs, StreamYard, StreamYard, that's what it is. 
through StreamYard, they're able to put those two cameras together, but also have like Josh Chase or Matt B. Davis or Bracken Crocker, Crocker um, all on the screen talking, you know, commenting during that from home, which is awesome. You know, we're in this world of virtual everything. So they're able to do that and do the com- commentating while the guys that were normally filming are filming anyway. But 4,500 bit rate, if you watch the most recent one, there are definitely times in there where it's just like maybe you're getting a frame a second if you're lucky. Like you basically are seeing people jump across the screen because it's just not a smooth feed. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing I think I've kind of kind of figured out is you got to lower that bit rate and having the manual control over it is very important. Uh, you know, I think if I were to realize we probably could have got a feed out of Jacksonville while you're mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't we didn't try that low of a bit rate. So now yeah, I know I we went too low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I know now, you know, we can actually go to a site and test beforehand and, and try and see. And so that's what I did here. I went and tested it beforehand. 5G. Sweet. Let me use uh, 4,500 bit rates. So I went with the same bit rate that they're getting out of StreamYard and um, 1080p. Uh, and the feed was pretty good. Now, the crazy thing is, you know, we're talking about cell signal. So when you run through the woods... When you're in the field, it's not that bad because you got grass mm-hmm. on the ground, blue open open skies. Skies weren't blue, but open skies <laughs> and a little bit of obstacles and whatever in the background. So what's changing on the screen is not that crazy. But when you get in the woods, all the leaves running past you like that. Like if you watch the end of the live feed, you'll see when I'm in the woods, the pixelation increases. Mm-hmm. So it's not as clear in the woods, even though the feed is the same. Cell signal is the same. Everything's the same. It's all about how much data, how much information is on the screen and coming through the feed. So, you know, I think for what we've got, um, for what we know now, I think without spending money on cellular bonding or Wi-Fi meshes or any of that stuff, I think we've got basically the best we can get depending on the cell coverage. So I feel pretty confident. I don't know about, I don't know about Jacksonville. I don't know about Seattle. You know, I know those are pretty two bad places, but I would love to try it now, now that I know how low we can go with the bit rate and still get something out. Yeah. So I ran, I don't know how long because, you know, I've got all these devices, my gimbal, (laughs) my, uh, my main, my my regular phone, my secondary phone, which is which is hot spotted to my main phone, so that I can check not only check the feed, but also do things like pull up, you know, nameplates and uh, the leaderboards and all that stuff. So I'm doing graphics from a secondary phone, so that's hot spotted <laughs> to the other one, and uh, so charging all that stuff. Oh. My, I brought my tablet that I'm recording on right now. I brought that with me so that I could check the feed, you know, ahead of time, get it all set up, remote into my computer at home, make sure that the feed gets started, the live stream gets started, all that good stuff. So I'm charging all that stuff. I forgot to charge my watch, <laughs> which was just about dead. 
So and for a Koros, that's saying a lot. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is you go so long without charging it, you just don't even think yeah, about it. Yeah, you just forget. Exactly. Or you just <laughs> so lose I, the charging cable. So I go to turn it on after the, uh, you know, the men's pro start. And like, I, you know, I look down a little while later. And I'm like, point two. It stopped. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I was at 2% at that point. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I, you know, ran around chasing the men and the women for two and a half hours and then ran the course myself and I didn't get to track it on my watch. So dang, you didn't, Why didn't do I it. use my phone on the second that means run through because <laughs> my phone. Oh, yeah. My phone was was dead at that point because I've been using it for two and a half hours on the live stream. Well, what are you going to without... do? Run Strava in the background on top of all that other crap you got going yeah. on on yeah. one of your phones. Right. <laughs> Which I will say. That 10 mile run that I did on the treadmill, because, you know, Koros watches, they'll tell you to, they'll give you like a little notification to charge your watch at 10%. Yeah. Well, so I forgot to charge my watch once it got to 10% because like in all reality, like at 10%, I could still go for like a 20 mile run at that point. (laughs) Even with GPS and Bluetooth and everything else. (laughs) Right. But, um... Whenever I saw that my watch was at 5%, I was like, ooh, this might be pushing it. We'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see if this records my run on the treadmill because at least, I, you know, I'm not using GPS or, you know, yeah. whatever. And I did my 10-mile run on 5%. And whenever I ended my 10-mile run on the treadmill, it said 4%. So I'm just <laughs> throwing wow. it out there that testament to Koro's yet another, you know. Wow. Speaking Granted, of which, like I said, I wasn't using GPS, but it was still counting cadence and my pace and everything like that. So, hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I you know I upgraded to a, a pace too. I know you've got one yeah. of the fancier ones, but I've got the base model pace, the second version of it. So I've still got my pace one that I haven't <laughs> done anything with. So I, I'm trying to decide: do I want to sell it on Facebook? Should I <laughs> give it away as a giveaway for us? I, I don't know. <laughs> I probably just need to sell it, but <laughs> but yeah, great great watches for sure. Or you could trade it in. <laughs> well, I was gonna do that, but then you gave me that coupon. Yeah, that that so gift card. Yeah, I didn't need to. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I was gonna trade mine in uh, for like the I have the Apex, and I was gonna see what you know what the Apex Pro is all about, and. Uh, I think the only difference between mine and the Apex Pro is that it gives you like oxygen readings, which I don't know if mm. I want to know all that. <laughs> yeah, that's better for when you're mountain climbing and, and you're getting into high altitudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I want to know all that because then I'll just like freak myself out even more. But I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they, they were only going to give me like and my watch still looks like the day I got it um, because, you know, it, it can take a beating pretty good. Um, but they were only going to give me like a hundred bucks for it. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, I think it was like a hundred bucks to kind of, no matter what you gave to them, at least up to that. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, maybe for Christmas this year, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the hope is we haven't nailed down or gotten uh, flight tickets or anything, but the hope is Mm -hmm. for me to be at Hildervat to live stream, nice. uh, to produce a live stream. Like they're going to have, you know, cameramen with their phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually planning on doing a nice polished post-production video, but 
bringing me in to do live stream. And, um, you know, that'll be the first chance I get to where I'm actually producing solely and not running the camera as well. So that'd be really awesome to see how that goes. That's Um, exciting. And coming up too. Yeah. End of this month. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we're hoping for it to open the door for other races to kind of see what we're capable of doing for, you know, limited cost at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know Spartan probably poured a ton of money to do their live streams initially and, and they quit doing them, uh, understandably. Yeah. So, so, you know, we want to get something out there and the fact that we're doing it or doing it and, uh, it, it's awesome to see that it's, it's happening. Oh, Spartan still does theirs through Instagram live, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm curious why they why they're going just Instagram and not Facebook and YouTube. I don't I don't really understand. I think they get but. I think they get more engagement via Instagram. I think there's more there there's more participation. <laughs> yeah. I think I feel like Instagram is Instagram is like you that love it or hate it. Like I could yeah. care less. But right. <laughs> it just to me it's like whichever app I open first on my phone. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. um yeah, and I feel like there is a lot more engagement with the community on Instagram versus Facebook because uh, I I know my 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 daughter thinks I'm a boomer because I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> but, hmm. It's all about where the crowd's but, at, I guess. Yeah, so you know, take that for what it's worth. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're going down to Jacksonville. Are you thinking about doing another Battle of the Lions up in Oklahoma since that's going to be closer to you too? Yes. Yeah, so my, my plan is to yeah. definitely do the last one, which is in Oklahoma, and um, hopefully do Little Rock as well. Now, Kansas right. City, I definitely can't go to that one, but I would mm-hmm. love to see if I can hook up with some people that will be camera, cameramen. I know, like mm-hmm. Christina Armstrong, you know, she she likes live streaming anyway. Mm-hmm. Brenna, if she's ever there, she loves live mm-hmm. streaming. So if I can hook up with them and or whoever else and and get some feeds in that I can mm-hmm. you know produce and and uh, I'll probably end up they like they like talking so they can do the commentary. But um, yeah, it'd be awesome to be able to do that. So that's what I'm going to shoot for to see if we can live stream that one and see if I can get people to be camera people. Uh, nice. while they're out there and I can do it from home. So that's nice. the hope. And hopefully Hildervod happens uh, that way that we're, we're shooting for. And, uh, you know, well, who hopefully, knows? Hopefully, because, I mean, then Ryan and Lindsay made the trip for nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the race will happen. I'm, I'm talking about if for me to go out there <laughs> and help with that. But, I mean, we just want to make what's being put out there better. And yeah. the sad part is there was great products, but there's just not the viewership to sustain that level of product. Mm-hmm. So we can bring something that is a lower level of quality, but still, you know, in that same direction. Yeah. Not just Facebook Live. <laughs> right. So. Or Instagram Live or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or post-production. Yep. Um, so that's it for me. Any Anything else? Uh, no, other than I have my first race coming up, um, May 14th, um, nice. which is, uh, 
I did. Uh, I did join Nicole Miracle's Elevate community, which is right so on. far has been has been really positive. Uh, cool. You know, she's she's based here locally. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Elevate um, was created by Nicole Miracle and the OCR Dream Team just to kind of foster more of a community with the women that uh, participate in this lovely sport of ours. Um, so uh, there's like different tiers. And so um, there's a free tier and then it goes all the way up to like you can pay $100 oh, wow. annually or whatever. And uh, I mean, like, what, what's the free tier involved? Uh, the free tier, uh, you just basically get access to like the community boards, like the message boards and stuff. It doesn't, uh, cool. I think if you pay like the $15, $25 or whatever, they like, I think they send you a t-shirt or something and there's different stuff that you get at each level. Um, nice. but yeah. And then they have, what's cool is they have like different, uh, leaders for each region. So, um, like obviously Nicole is one of the. Uh, regional leaders for around here, but um, Callie Schweigert is uh, is a regional leader as well because she moved to Netherland, Colorado. So she kind of engages with the people from like the Rockies region or you know the West Mountain West region. Um, and then I think Brenna is a leader for like the Midwest, I guess South maybe. Um, so yeah, and it's really cool. Um, they, uh, Nicole was actually going to be putting on like an OCR clinic at, um, Fitfucker, which is a local OCR gym in Brighton, Colorado. <laughs> and, uh, which I thought would have been really cool to go to. It's just, unfortunately it's the day after my 12 hour <laughs> run. <laughs> so, oh, wow. yeah. so the plan, it, I mean, and it's only the race is taking place only in like an hour and a half away from me. Um, so our plan I think right now is to like go out there and camp, uh, just like make it a weekend camping trip. So, um, nice. Yeah. That should be interesting. It's going to be like my first real race at altitude, I guess. So we'll see if I die or not. Um, <laughs> how how a, long? Uh, it's for 12 hours. And, um, okay, they kind of, yeah, they kind of make it Ragnar style, except you never know which, uh, which sequence of loops you're going to have to run. And, oh, the, what's it based? How do you decide which one? So they're going to have a bucket with different colored ping pong balls and the, the colors correspond to the different loops that they've mapped out on this trail, uh, trail system. And so the, the loops range anywhere from like two and a half miles all the way up to like seven and a half miles. (laughs) So you could like be pulling the color that you run seven and a half mile loops all day long. (laughs) So I'm really hoping that's not the case, but what's really, what's really cool is that um, the people that signed up for the 24 hour option, they have to pull another, another ball that has a pace associated with that loop. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're very generous. They're, they're very generous paces. Like you have to complete the blue loop. And then if you pull another ball that has like 17 to 1730, then your average pace for that loop has to be within that. Like you have to finish it within. That's your time frame that you gotta. Right. Exactly. Wow. 
Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't sign up for the 24 hour one because I, I already don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to do like doing these eight mile loops with like, I look at the elevation map and it's just like a straight shot up. I go crap. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, and then I guess if anyone is local, um, I have acquired, uh, a bunch of demo shoes from Ultra because I'm, uh, nice. I'm volunteering. <laughs> I'm volunteering just temporarily. I'm volunteering um, for one of the races that they're sponsoring out here. They're going to do a mm. trail cor- uh, course preview run this weekend cool. and kind of like a just a demo day. So I'm going to have a whole bunch of Lone Peaks for people to try out on the trail. Um, so if anybody is around... <laughs> I think there's a Facebook event for it, for uh, the Dirty 30 course preview run. I think it's what they called it. Um, awesome. But yeah, it's up in Golden Gate Canyon. Should be like a six-ish, six, seven-mile run up in the trails. So, yeah. <laughs> Should be fun. So if anybody local wants to come up for that, I'll fit you for some shoes and you can try it out <laughs> on the run. Right on. <laughs> but that's awesome. all I got well, going on. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think we should wrap it up here. Um, I did want to ask, do we still have, um, you know, do we need to give away some Endurly? We could, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we let's could. just go ahead and say, you know, if you're listening and you've made it to this point, <laughs> all you got to do is comment on our post uh, on Facebook and Instagram or send us a message through any of those platforms or to ocrtalk at gmail.com. Um, and that's it. I, I, any of those people will uh, be up for the giveaway on our next re- episode that we'll do. Now, I did uh, do a post roll. So now instead of just hearing the end credits music, during the end credits music, I talk about, you know, this is published by Jay Stupri and Anna Landry and all that stuff. So nice. uh, we don't we don't need to go through that stuff each time. Um, they'll hear it in there. Plug the Threadless. Plug the OCR yep, report. It's. Yep, it's all in there. It's all there. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to y'all next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. OCR Talk is brought to you by the OCR Report. It is recorded with Anna Landry and recorded, produced, and published by myself, Jason Dupree. We record on Zencaster, edit on Mixcraft and Audacity, and are hosted on Lipson, thanks to the OCR Report. You can find more of our content on Facebook and YouTube as OCR Talk and on Instagram as OCR underscore talk. You can find more content and podcasts at theocrreport.com and you can buy merch from any of the OCR Report podcasts at our Threadless store, theocrreport.threadless.com. To get alerts when we release new episodes, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.